time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. All right. Inside the Game Guys to show, J.C. Sherbert, Phil Mullinax here. On Halloween, we've got our costumes on. <laughs> uh, we're in mourning a little bit. We're today. in mourning. <laughs> so, uh, just wanted to welcome you guys in. I hope you have a safe and happy Halloween. If you celebrated this weekend, hope you were safe and happy and all that good stuff. But uh, we got a lot of football to talk about today. Gamecocks go down to the Missouri Tigers, twenty-three to ten. Ugly game. Uh, since it's Halloween, we talk about fear. And worst fears came true. Those of you last week that were worried about the game and didn't have a lot of faith in the offensive coordinator or the game plan and were worried about Missouri on D, you were spot on. Congratulations for doing that. That's uh, that's a good thing there. Um, you know, I put some game th- thoughts up on the bigspur.com, Phil. And uh, here's the thing. You know, it, it remains to be the case that this offense cannot win football games or even be competent no. when South Carolina's not lining up, running all over everybody. Now, uh, the Marshawn Lloyd injury was significant because it limited him. He only had seven carries in the football game. I, I don't know that we ever got a clear uh, indication from Shane Beamer or anybody else. Like, what you know, could he just not go the second half? Uh, what was the deal? Maybe a thigh bruise uh, happened. Uh, I don't know, uh, but it seemed early on when he was getting carries, uh, he was just, um, you know, he's going to kind of do it himself. You know, mm-hmm. there were people that had him almost dead to water. He was juking them and getting by them. So, you know, we, we had a little hot take on the board last week that maybe he wasn't even the best back on the team. Uh, I think that's been proven that he is, and, and he's a super-duper talent. But you have other talented players. And, you know, hey, sometimes running backs get dinged up and they can't go. That, that's yep. a fact of life in, in, in football. Um, and you have backups. Uh, you know, they didn't get anything going. Uh, obviously, for the second straight year, Missouri had Carolina sort of figured out on both sides. Um, the defense uh, got caught with their pants down first quarter. Uh, I thought they did a decent job adjusting and keeping them out of the end zone. Uh, they didn't do a good job of getting off the field on third down. Missouri has a 13-minute advantage. Um, you know, only only a handful of drives even went more than five yards for the Gamecocks. Uh, what you have to do in the Southeastern Conference, in my opinion, uh, is you're going to have games like what happened against Missouri. It's going to happen in the first quarter. Uh, it's tough to get college kids up and sky high and ready to play each and every week, Okay. Um, that happens to all teams. Uh, there are going to be games when the opponent comes in ready to play with a good plan and they're going to jump on top of you or mm-hmm. you go out there and they're going to jump on you uh, and, and your defense is going to kind of be exposed. Eli Drinkwitz put on a play. You want to see good play calling? Whew. Look at Missouri the first quarter. See how they kept everybody off balance. They got the ball in the hands. Dominic Lovett's one of their best playmakers, okay? He's like Carolina's Juice Wells. He caught 10 passes. But they they found all kinds of ways to scheme him up and get him open, right? Okay. I didn't see him leave the field too much either. <laughs> no, nah, he was on the field, right? They only, didn't. Only when him. he was getting a little dinged up, he'd take a playoff and then he'd be right back out there. 
you know, and Carolina stayed off balance. Okay, so the defense adjusts as they know as Clayton White's group normally does. They go on halftime and they adjusted. And you know, look, that they were at fault too in the second half, not getting off the field. But you know, after that barrage early, you hold them to two field goals the rest of the game. You have to be good enough on offense to get back in it. Yeah. You know, and then Carolina almost, you know, they get there with the one drive and then the field goal drive, you know, have some momentum, and then it's just <laughs> sputtering. Okay, so that's number one. We've seen uh, now 21 games of it. Here's a stat for you. Will Muschamp was 13-8 and eight through 21 games at Carolina. Shane Beamer is now 12-9. and nine. Um, Not to compare the two, it was different situations, but, you know, I, I think this uh, – you know, this team's got a lot of potential, <laughs> kind of like, you know, and, and I think Muschamp's first two teams did about as good as they possibly could with the exception of that home loss against Kentucky in 2017, which is awfully similar to Saturday's game. You know, I mentioned mm-hmm. Missouri cannot get caught. I mean, you can't get caught in their spider web like Kentucky does, uh, except there was no big start and lost momentum for the Gamecocks. There was just no momentum the entire game. Oh. Mm-hmm. Flat, awful, blah, blah, blah. All right, so, uh, you, you know, this offense isn't working, right? Uh, Spencer Rattler looks like an NFL, like I said last week, an NFL rookie out there. It's not all on him. He made some beautiful throws, beautiful plays, didn't have time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I don't think it's all on him. Uh, I think that if there's a if there's a way, if you could change quarterbacks, and I see some Nanosports chat box folks are talking about it, and, and I almost talked about this last week, is it, with the way Missouri has been susceptible to running quarterbacks this year, could we see Doty uh, in the game just because of his wheels? Uh, I don't know that that would have been a terrible idea. Yeah, I mean, there uh, was on one Saturday. point in the game, I'm like, you know, why don't we put DeCarry and Joyner back there and let him catch a few snaps? And yeah. See what so, he can do with the ball. <laughs> you couldn't have done any worse. Okay. Nope. Um, and so, you know, there's that. But, you know, and if somebody else on the roster can run the this complicated offense better, then get them out there. I mean, you know, look, this is not the South Carolina Spencer Rattlers. It's the South Carolina Gamecocks. I find I would find a hard have a hard time believing that. Mm-hmm. I would have a hard time believing that that's that's the answer. But uh, if you're Shane Beamer and Marcus Satterfield, you got to find it. If you're Shane Beamer and you're going to not make a change, uh, which look, guys, you know, I know everybody was hoping they'd get up Sunday morning, and Satterfield's been relieved of his duties, and they turn it over to somebody else, and everybody can breathe a sigh of fresh air and be like, away we go. Um, there's two schools of thought on that and, and Beamer isn't wrong. You know, in fact, most coaches would probably not make a change midseason. um, you know, and, and turn play calling duties over to someone else. Uh, but it's a judgment call, right? And, and people are going to continue to be frustrated, uh, you know, with the lack of good offensive showings, uh, and this offense, not only being, you know, not good and getting dominated by Missouri, uh, but also, you know, being a hindrance to the rest of the team. Uh, everyone last week that said you can't count on special teams plays and turnovers every week is absolutely right. You can't. Yep. Nope. And that's nothing against the special teams or defense. It's just the ball doesn't bounce your way sometimes. They had a turnover and another BS call. I don't I don't know what's happening. With, I don't know if somebody's, like, griped to the SEC office over and over about South Carolina's defensive backs being a little grabby. But boy, the last two weeks they've just been—they've been calling it awfully tight. There was no way on earth that was a penalty. That was offensive no. pass interference, if anything. Yeah, there um, was one guy grabby, and it was the uh, receiver, was not the offensive DB. guy. It was—it was crystal clear. I don't know how mm-hmm. that 
that, that's not my favorite referee, by the way, the head ref. He's just kind of – he doesn't work out all the time like the other ones, you know. <laughs> he's not over there pumping irons. He looks weird. Yeah. So um, – and, and he's always making bad calls against the game. But anyway, that's beside the point. I'm not going to blame the refs for that abysmal showing. I mean, you had 186 offense, yards of offense before the last play of the game. Um, Juice Wells. Uh, seven catches, sure, but why? Why do they continue when you have a team that clouds the, crowds the line of scrimmage? Why do you continue to pass it to him behind the line of scrimmage? Yeah, why has he got to break three tackles before he even gets you know two yards down the field? I mean, we saw against Arkansas, he clearly can be a downfield threat, and then they throw him that little pass toward the the sidelines all the time. Super conservative, by mm-hmm. the way. Uh, although that's a longer pass, that is a conservative pass, uh, and he's good at that. But where, where is he? Like on a, on a slant or a you know, people talk about slants and crossing patterns and stuff like that, uh, you know, that are quick developing. I mean, you know, like the crossing pattern they ran against Kentucky, that took a long time, right? That probably wasn't going to cut it against these guys. Um, but the whole offense is slow developing. The, the, the personnel usage is maddening. Um, and, and let me just break this down for you folks. South Carolina has a blessing, not a hinder, a blessing on their roster with versatile personnel, okay? Let, let me give you a little example here. You could take Jaheim Bell, and we'll get to that in a second, mm-hmm. Austin Stogner, Juice Wells, and take your pick out of Van Brooks, Xavier, whoever, and, and run four wide and a running back. And then you can get in the I formation the next play. Uh, you can run a spread with those four spread wide and run. You know, then you can get in the I formation the next play and not have to have to substitute and not allow the defense to substitute. Yeah, with tempo, right? With yeah. tempo, I mean, you can keep you know, them off base. You're blessed with that type of versatility, you know. And and we don't see Bell hardly at all. He gets no targets. His family's going crazy, rightfully so, on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, look, this team is not loaded with playmakers. Beamer's right in that they have a lot of good ones. But they're not loaded with playmakers. You, you know, you have one guy that can kind of be a game changer, you know, that's on the bench and, and you're struggling like that on offense. That's unacceptable. I don't want to hear about the personnel packages. Because uh, here we get back to this with Jaheim. It was stated, and I've said this for a long time, that he is not a tight end. Okay. As Marcus Satterfield said, he is not a tight end. You know, so, oh, Stogner and Atkins. Atkins is blocking well. Well, who cares? You know, your backup running backs did nothing. Poor Juju McDowell. Early on, he gets thrown in there and just run him up the middle into the teeth of that defense. You're not a, an offense that spreads it. You know, you don't. You refuse to use the whole field. Yeah. Refuse, you know, to spread yeah. it wide, make the defense defend the whole field. That's another way you take advantage of a team that likes to crowd the line of scrimmage and, and beat you up. up over. You spread it out big time. Yeah. Oh, you make him defend the whole field. Uh, Juju goes up the middle. He, he's not doing anything. Christian Bill Smith didn't do anything. You know, so, okay, it's so easy to just toss Jaheim the ball or, or run it to Jaheim and instead of worrying about passing. Well, good. Well, why didn't you do it? Yeah. You know, I, I talked to a uh, someone that coaches offense at the college level that keeps up with the game, Kais. He said, well, I don't know. He said, I'd probably have more than 200 yards, definitely, and I would have given it to Lloyd and Bell 20, 15 times a game. Yeah. All right, so that guy knows what he's talking about. You know, so, so there's, there's no excuse uh, for, for not in a situation like that when you're not just bad but horrible. You're, you're worse than you've been uh, to use a guy that's been a proven playmaker. Yeah. You know, I, and I don't understand why they don't use juice more down the field. Your um, offense is only better than Vanderbilt. Right. Yeah. Now, period. No doubt. And probably getting, and getting worse. 
Yeah, and you it's know? not getting any better. No. <laughs> when, when you when you when you're in a game like that, you fall behind seventeen nothing on your home field. You you need to have the offense to be able to get back in it. And, and you know they they got to ten, and then sputter sputter sputter. The play calling is abysmal. There's no place to set up other plays. It seems uh, there's no. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm sure it does happen, but it, it's just it, it's just like a collection of plays. You know, so so what do you do? You know, if I'm Marcus Satterfield, I'm gonna tell you this: the last time he had a good offense, statistically at least, because um, Temple was kind of a defensive-minded team, and you know they they were okay, right? You know, they actually I think they beat Notre Dame while he was there too. I mean, so it's not like Temple was a black hole like this. This has been. Uh, I'm going back and dusting things off from my Tennessee Chattanooga days which was in 2010, which was the last time he had an explosive good offense on the college level. You know, uh, I've mentioned Clemson's offense several times. Clemson rolled that puppy in in 2011, and it's still the same. They just run it slower and all that. But they get the ball to their playmakers. I'm not saying that Satterfield needs to install a whole new playbook this uh, this off week because that's not going to happen. That's mm-hmm. vet. You want to you confuse everybody even more. But, but I'm – you know, and look, they have trimmed down some of the plays. It's not the number of plays. It, it's how you're teaching it. It's the fact that their plays are eight to ten words long. That slows you down. That, that When you're processing something mentally in the heat of a game, what's easier to process, in your opinion, Phil? Would it be like a color or a shape or a, a two, two-word play call or something that's eight words long? Yeah, I'm, I mean, you. There, I think there was a point in the third quarter, JC, where I'm just sitting there watching the TV. It's a third down. Spencer's over there looking at the sidelines, and he just looks like he has absolutely zero clue about what's coming into him, about what they're supposed to do. He's got this look on his face like deer in the headlights. You know, yeah. I mean, it's unacceptable. And, and look, this is a college football program, not an NFL training facility. I right. said that during the last staff when the defense with – how many NFL players on it was just giving up points and droves? They're confused. Lane Kiffin's clipboard, clipboard play at Ole Miss, Muschamp's last game, where, where Lane just threw it in the air because it was a touchdown. That was communication and confusion in the secondary. That wasn't because the players aren't good. You know, and, and, and look, you could talk execution all you want, but if if the guys just aren't getting it, you know, here game, what was it, game eight? Yeah. You know, and look, the shame of it is that there's – uh, the, the, the probably the biggest problem I have is just when it looks like they can turn the corner, right? Uh, just when they have a good half at Kentucky or they get two touchdown drives when they need it uh, against uh, Texas A&M. Just when you think, well, you know, things, things are getting better, at least there's something to build on here. It's a disaster. And the players that make the plays aren't in the game. And, you know, it, it's just a very weird limiting type of offense, okay? And let's look around the league. Like, like who else is struggling on offense? All right, raise your hand if you saw Tennessee boat race Kentucky with the number 102nd-ranked defense in the country, holding them to six points and shutting them out after the first quarter, okay? So that shows you what good offense can do. It inspires your whole team, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, quite frankly, Kentucky's offense is easy to stop. Well, what's Kentucky's offense? Well, Mark Stoops had the brilliant idea, as good of a coach as he is, that he's going to get rid of Eddie Grand, who runs a proven college offense with the Wildcat and the spread and all that good stuff, and he's going to go NFL, right? So here's Liam Cohen, and they got a little better because they had Levis and Wondell Robinson. Well, this year, they still have Levis. They brought in another NFL dude who's actually from the 49ers and has experience, 
But that style of offense goes nowhere. Who else is struggling? Texas A&M. You know, Jimbo's never coached in the pros, but it is that's kind of that system, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and South Carolina's struggling, okay. Uh, you know, I, 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 who's not? Who's not struggling on offense? Well, Tennessee's not. You know, what's that? That's a college offense. Simple. <laughs> uh, Ole Miss is not struggling on offense, right? Um, you know, Arkansas, when they have K.J. Jefferson at least, are not struggling on offense. You know, oh, well, let's go around here. Let's go down to Auburn. It's like watching paint dry right now. Uh, oh, well, Boise State, everybody thought they were a spread team. They're, they're not. They've always been kind of that eye formation, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's not South Carolina's not necessarily an eye formation team. They just go very methodically. Uh, it's 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 conceptually ridiculous in terms of, of the difficulty to go do it. Um, and I don't see where even if they get it down because of the play calling, even if the players knew uh, knew it like the back of their hand, Phil, I don't see what the play calling whether it, whether it makes a difference or not. Whether this gives you a strategic advantage. And if you're in South Carolina and in this league against the schedule you play, you better have an offense that gives you an advantage, not that that, that, that restricts you and smothers you and tears you down. Yeah. Uh, no, against I mean, the you know, and you know, I know, uh, you know Brad Crawford said there wasn't a predictability, you know, as much as we thought it was, but it it, it just seems like there is because it's so limited in scope. Well, after, and after Lloyd went out, after Lloyd went out, that oh, was yeah. like game plan out the door, yeah. you know. And and quite frankly, before he went out, he was doing a lot of stuff just by himself. It was, I mean, you it know, was impressive. But hey, he only got seven carries. Yeah, seven carries. I mean, it's, I'm sitting here looking at the drive summaries now. It's like every time he touched the ball, you get positive yardage every time. Yeah, and he and he didn't. So so you know, I guess I guess he was not healthy enough to go in the second half. And and that did make a difference, man. But you know, it was it was Missouri. Yeah. You know, I mean, and this is the this, other thing. This wasn't Alabama or Georgia. No, and you're putting CBS in there, and you're going to run Juju, and and you're still running up the middle, run up the middle, run up the middle, run up the middle. That we've seen this even this year. That's not where Juju, at least, is not effective. Period. And then no. I think. Once you get Christian Beal Smith in there, I don't think you give him enough touches to really start to get a feel for the flow of the game. So yeah, he's not going to get lathered up, you know, because you keep putting, you know, Juju back in there. Great player, but, you know, perimeter misused, guy. Misused. Perimeter guy. Was, yeah. the, bowl, the bowl game with Juju McDowell was that's how you use him. That's how you yeah. use him. Yeah. He's a complimentary guy. You know, today's poll question is <laughs> Does Marcus Satterfield. Uh, maximize the playmakers he has on offense. That should be a pretty obvious poll question today. <laughs> well, a better question would be, does he remember who the hell the playmakers are? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I, it's almost like it's almost like scheme over everything, and the scheme is bad. And when that happens, you're you're not going to win football games no, ever. No, you know, I saw that watching the Chicago Bears for. Couple of years yeah. under Matt Nagy, yeah. um, cocky gaming in the Nana Sports chat box. By the way, I do have some good news for you um, about uh, Nana Sports. I'm reading this off my phone, by the way. Uh, Nana Sports got made made Charlotte's best uh, of um, you know uh, food trucks. Food One of the best oh, food nice. trucks in the Metroplex of Charlotte. Uh, they've got voted uh, bronze third. Um, so hit up Nana Sports, man. It's not just a food truck. They can cater. And it's not just in Charlotte. 
You can go anywhere else uh, in South Carolina you want to. Um, and uh, he will take care of you for that. But it's Nan- Nana's Port Shab. I-, I wanted to mention that. Sorry I had to grab my phone. Uh, I probably should have typed it out on the screen, but that's just uh, me. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough day today. Um, Cocky Gaming says, Cocktober got derailed right before November. Time to regroup and headed to no-loss November. Going to be tough. And I'm going to say this. that You don't fix this offense. Vanderbilt's going to be a battle. Florida's going to beat you down in the swamp. Tennessee will be most, one of the most embarrassing home losses in the history of the program. And you won't cross the 50 at Death Valley. Nope. That's the bottom line. And and hopefully, hopefully at six and six, they can sneak into the Las Vegas bowl. That would make me somewhat of a consolation prize that would make me happy, but probably looking at Birmingham mm, again. Every, yeah. How fun <laughs> in year two um, with, with a lot of pretty good players. Craig says should be a doozy today. I had a great time with my son. Two long back-to-back drives drain the stadium. I know. Yeah. Uh, and, and when a team's got the ball like that, you, number one, defense has to get off the field. But number two, your offense has to go score, right? Go score. Uh, Beamer said it. He was talking about when his dad used to play Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech. You have to go score. Will Muschamp said that after losing to Georgia Southern when he was at Florida. The way you beat a team like that is you score. You, yeah. you score. It's the same concept of how do you play Tennessee on offense. Now, after Saturday, I'm not sure how you play Tennessee on offense. That's That's becoming a big mystery to me. Yeah, but know. uh you know that's maybe somebody will have an answer this week because <laughs> see how Georgia plays it. <laughs> yeah, Craig, yeah. Craig says seven offensive drives of five plays or less. Doty can't be worse, so maybe he can run it better, at least for a series or two. I may have stuck him in. I mean, you run the risk of losing Rattler at that point. I don't I, I don't think anybody's gonna do any better. Just because the minute a player gets out there, kind of like Jason Brown last year, he was out there just playing. And they gave him a spark, and then the very next week he's confused. Yep. Right. And that's the problem. There's no building one week to another. And that was a problem, quite frankly, last year when you talk to people around the program. Every week was just like a pull all this out and stick all this in. And and I don't really see any masterful game planning. You know, I don't I don't see Carolina attacking the opposing team's weakness. No. You know, like like they did, like Missouri did. And you're still running the same plays that have had minimal, if any, success this year. Like the the quick outs to Amari and Brown. How 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 many yards have we gained on that play? <laughs> what all total twenty? Very little. For and, how and many look, times we've done it? You know, it's. And, and Beamer said after the game they weren't screens, and he's, he looked a little upset about this. He's like, they're not screens; they're kind of RPO ish plays. Okay, well, look, man. I'm all for Spencer Rattler running some RPO action, but why is it behind the line of scrimmage? I mean, you know, obviously you're throwing it over there. There's three people standing around the ball. What do you expect of Marion Brown to do? Yeah. You know, and, and if you're if you do run some of those screens like at Kentucky, look, that they sprung Juice Wells because Dylan Warnham was down the field. What are the chances that anybody on the offensive line is going to consistently do that? You got to throw. You got Spencer Rattler and, and a lot of these guys. Throw it down the field. Throw it where there's. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're sending that many guys and they're crashing in there like that, oh, chances are there's probably something open, don't you think? Well, <laughs> I mean, they don't play fifteen guys on defense. Yeah, I mean, the called run is another inside zone. <laughs> then yeah, okay, we yeah, got to throw it this time uh, because know. you know what they stack in the box. <laughs> Uh, gaming goes, I'm not advocating for Doty. Maybe he is a spark, maybe not. What I do want some kind of resemblance of continuity in the offense. 
build off plays, get the ball to your playmakers. That's not happening. Uh, and look, I'm not even talking about results here, folks. Uh, if, if Missouri had just beat them, you know, and they tried, no, oh, well, just one of those games plan was good. That's fine. Like, you know, when Mike Bobo was here, he called a lot of crap for play calling and, and, and you know, cause they'd have some games where they didn't go very far. Right. Mike Bobo had like one receiver and, uh, one tight end. And, you know, some games, his play calling kept the Gamecocks in it, kept them in the game. Because he could scheme guys open and knew how to get the ball to what little he had. Yep. So that's it there. Uh, Adam says, why does Ben Portnoy like antagonizing our fan base so much? Very unprofessional. I haven't noticed that, Adam. Give us an example. I haven't noticed it. Uh, oh, um, because he didn't vote us for the uh, AP top, top 25. 25. And then after we lost, he posted the Kermit picture sipping tea. <laughs> You know, like yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, I don't like. And, that well, either. and the reason he get well, and not to come down on Ben or anything, but he did give a stated reason that said he had some other teams he wanted to reward. But that's the whole problem with the AP poll. Yeah. I mean, is you got little that that's obviously playing favorites, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. I'm not gonna come down on him. You know, right now we got we got bigger fish to fry today. That's right. More problems. Happy, happy, happy. <laughs> it sucks to be a Gamecock. Go Gamecocks and beat Vandy. Uh, Cocky Gamey says, does y'all see the Fire Satterfield website? Yeah, not really a fan of having websites like that. Yeah, that's not um, you know, It just breeds negativity. I mean, we all know what needs to be done. Uh, Rick and Daddy-O both had full-day hangovers on Sunday. <laughs> I didn't have that bad of a hangover yesterday. I don't know why. Uh, Clint says, JC, why would we wait until the end of the season? The part ways was set. Zero upside to doing that. More losses of missing a bowl is the downside. Why can't Beamer see that? Because I don't know, Clint, that anybody else could step in and do it. I mean, the thing's so damn complicated right now. I mean, you know, you run the risk of someone that's probably a good play caller coming out there and just not knowing and confusing the situation even more. Um, And and that's not my opinion, because if it were me, I'd hand it like Freddie Kitchens has taken over play calling twice at the NFL level. With with limited results, but good results. He got the Giants a little better, got the Browns a lot better. I'm begging him. You know, there's some talk he may not want to step in and call plays, and that's fine, but I'm t- I'm begging him. You know, look, you've done this before. You're pretty good offensive mind. At least it will make sense, you know, based on your track record. So I, I don't. You know, that would have been me. So I'm not I'm not def- I'm not saying that I agree with you know, hold and serve here. But I'll say this, Shane is not unusual as far as head coaches go by letting it play out Uh, because there's a downside to that as well uh, that it gets worse. How can it get worse? I have no idea, but it could get worse. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, I got that. Uh, Saunders says he's got a lunch meeting today. Won't get to experience the all-set meltdown live. (laughs) Can't wait to hear Keith's game on the game. Uh, Backwood says, let Shane Beamer take control of the offense. Shane's never called plays, man. Yeah, now that may not work as well as you think it will. (laughs) Probably not. uh, Keith may need a defibrillator, Craiger says. (laughs) Um, Tim says, my worst fear is Shane keeps Satterfield after the season. Ah, There's really no reason to to do that, um, you know, if things continue. Because once you're going to get in a situation, if things continue, let's say they even get to seven and five and pull an upset down the down the stretch. I mean, 
you really have to examine the games you won and, and see the loss, the, the points you left on the field, and uh, just the general overall approach. You know, I, I just it's never been a good idea to run a pro style offense at South Carolina, and it's it's, it's never and, and that word pro style is a loaded loaded term too. Uh, because you could go get another offensive coordinator that's a quote-unquote pro-style guy, like, you know, uh, and I'm not – they definitely would not be able to hire Todd Monken, but I'm saying Todd Monken's got a pro-style offense. There he runs, but he runs it for college, and he's masterful, yeah. and he's, he's an outstanding play caller. I mean, you watch Georgia, man. Some of their formations and the stuff they do, similar to South Carolina. They have mm-hmm. similar strengths, you know, relatively. They got, they got more talent, obviously, but they know how to use their backs – they know how to use their tight ends, and they know how to dial it up. They keep the other team completely off balance the whole game. Lady Bree says, I'm on the D. Nothing to say about the offense. I tagged y'all on Twitter. Maybe I'll go see if our offensive line wasn't as bad as portrayed. I'm not blaming this on the offensive line. You have to not know good. that they're going to bring the house uh, and all that. Uh, I agree. The defense got out coached first quarter, but you have to – in this league, that's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not absolving them for blame. You know, they could have, you know, they could have done a lot better. They came out flat, but you know, guess what? They held them two field goals the second half. Should have gotten yeah. off the field. No question about it. Yep. Uh, Clint says Drinkwitz called a nice game offensively. It looked pretty simple to me. That's the key. Drinkwitz put on a clinic as to how you call plays at the college level. Mm-hmm. He kept the Gamecocks off balance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And shout out um, to Clint. I actually met Clint this weekend, JC. Yeah. Uh, nice. In town. Yeah, it was good. Good to see you, Clint. You know, AJM2 says our scheme is not good, but we have more problems than SAT. Like what? I mean, what? That being said, Missouri is probably just a better program than we are. <laughs> so we get, we're going to get on this? Just a better oh, program. Man, really? I don't think. Uh, Come on. I, I think right now they've won four in a row. You know, it's hard to argue, but look, there's team program job. Okay. Job is what's the long-term potential of this job program is where are we at as a program? How are we recruiting? Is, is there progress being made towards the future? That kind of thing. That, that, yeah. It has to do with wins and losses. And if you lose to a certain team over time, then your program can be at the level that that one is just like with Kentucky. But you know, I don't think there's a coach in the country that would say, I'd rather have the Missouri job than the South Carolina job. Right. Yeah. You know, unless it's expectations, you know, mm. uh, that may be a little bit deal. Tristan says, are y'all dressed as sad? No, nah, I think it's Grim Reaper. Yes, yeah, it's more of a Reaper look. <laughs> you know, uh, JC, do you think Beamer's letting personal feelings get in the way of seeing the truth? Rattler's comments basically called out the complexity of what Satterfield's trying to do. No, I think Beamer's trying to let – I don't think personal – you see, and I've seen a lot of fans do this, and it's it's unfortunate. They just attack Shane personally. I saw somebody say on the message board today, well, he got there because of his name, or, oh, he had no experience, or, oh, he's just his, his groomsman or whatever. That's all a pile of crap, okay? Um, that's – that that's that's grasping at straws. It's obvious what's going on. The scheme sucks. The idea sucks. The play calling sucks. It all sucks. It sucked for 21 games. Yeah. I mean, you know, people, you want to, you know, some of the folks out there that like to, you know, watch film and analyze it and break down plays and stuff. That's all well and good. But, you know, sometimes the answer is obvious. You know, I'm not going to sit there and, and, and go off on the players for missing assignments or doing what? Because you know why? It's the coach's job to teach them that. 
And for 21 games now, these guys don't know what to do. They do not know what to do. They're confused. Yeah. It's been yeah. obvious. You yeah, know? Rattler's comments, I think, were the most damning coming out of it. And he just had yeah. to figure sooner or later he was going to use his mouth because that's what he does. But, I mean, I think he did it in a a reasonably diplomatic way, if you will. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, not a good look when your starting quarterback comes out and says, well, we really just didn't, you know, prepare well enough for the week. We were a little confused. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's ridiculous. But here's the thing. It's not, nobody's going to lose their job before December. Okay. So we yeah. need to accept it and hope like hell that we can continue to win a couple of games in the next four in spite of ourselves like we have. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get to a break. Be back. More Nana Sports Chat Box. Got a lot in the mailbag. Keith's coming up. Keith probably won't be with us right at noon. Uh, or, I'm sorry, yeah, noon, because uh, he's got a doctor's appointment, but he will be in at some point to share his thoughts on the game. And we'll continue to give ours right here on Inside the Game Cox of the Show. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all 
ages, and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. What's up, this is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks Show with J.C. and Phil. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks with J.C. Sherbert and Phil Mullinax, brought to you in the first hour by Cindy Searfoss and Coldwell Banker Kane Realty here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call uh, for all of your upstate residential real estate needs, 864-414-5271. And just a note on McKellar Enterprises and Meredith, of course, she is accepting her uh, virtual uh, lessons starting at the beginning of the year, not in November, and she is just now about to drop a promo code for free shipping on her merch on the website. Use the code McKellar for that free promotional uh, shipping offer from Meredith. Yeah, I got a, actually a text from Meredith. She's going to yeah, send me a I'm, hat. I'm near reading it. <laughs> She's going to send me a hat. So I think. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think that'll be cool. We'll have it on on set here at uh, Sherb Nation Studios. Lady says, uh, "Lady Bree, either you sit rat or you sit sat. It's both of them, but you can't change one. Can't not change one or the other." I, I look. If the answer is to play Luke Doty, and that sparks the team and all that, great. <laughs> I doubt it is, but great. Uh, you know, I am fine with that, but. You know, that's uh, that's somebody else's call. I, I think it would be unfortunate because, look, are you not evaluating your quarterback before he came in? You know? Yeah. You know, what was the big knock on Rattler last year at Oklahoma? Is that he can't – oh, he doesn't really always make the right read in the defense and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, okay, well, why are you going to shove him into this offense? So, like I said, he looks like a rookie in the NFL. Those guys get better when they adjust to the game mentally, you don't get that much bigger, stronger, faster. Once you go to the NFL, you don't, there's really not a lot of development other than the game slows down for you mentally. And that's exactly what he looks like a rookie quarterback. You have moments of brilliance uh, followed by a lot of frustration. So whose big plan was it uh, to take this approach with him coming into the season? You know, I know what the narrative was. Oh, he needs to be in this type of offense. Yeah. But you know, there's a difference between, okay, here are some pro concepts we're going to throw in for you. You know, we're going to work under center more. We're going to do this and that. Yeah, great, fine. But you don't just throw out a dang NFL playbook for a kid and do it, especially when you're like a guy that ultimately only spent one season in the NFL as a coach. Yeah. You know, you're not Andy Reid, you know. I mean, you're not. Yeah, right. yeah. Believe me, Andy Reid would have simplified this bad boy a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there, yeah, there'd be people, there'd be people with emojis on the side holding up poster board. You know, I know they don't want to do that. I don't blame them because that's kind of goofy. But uh, really, I mean, you know, you, you've got a seven word. I mean, anyway. Yeah, but you're wearing the codex on your arm that, you know, is like just looks like a freaking dissertation down there. Like iPad on there every man. time. I know, man. It's, it's 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 absolutely asinine why these plays are like that. But, you know, hey, what do we, you know. 
He's Craig smart. on the defense makes a good point. Ends got sucked in and the quarterback's untouched around the edge. Yeah, they got him a couple times on that play. No way about it. Yep. Oh, yeah. No way mm-hmm. around it. Um, Daddy O says, I said it weeks ago. Mm-hmm. When your O line struggles, you got to move your quarterback around, especially when your Bill Cow quarter running backs out. That's true. I don't know if I dismissed it or not. I just said that you probably, you know, at the time, you know, uh, in those situations against AM and Kentucky, they weren't getting a crazy amount of pressure. Uh, no. Against Missouri, you knew what they were going to do going in. We all sat here and said it all week. They're going to come after you. They attack you. Beamer said it. Everybody said it. Yep. So, and I saw one designed rollout. One designed rollouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jafaller says, good morning, gents. Well, I think we learned one thing. Eli Drinkwitz owns South Carolina. I hate it. Go Cox and Semper Fi. What do we say to that? That's right. Thank you for your service, Jafaller. Yeah, and you're right. And, and I can't stand it. Uh, it, it wouldn't mm. hurt me quite so bad if it were another coach, but God, that damn drink. It, drink what's man. Oh. I, uh, yeah, that's bizarre. Right. That's bizarre. Um, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, Dre says, good morning, guys. Happy to be able to sh- catch the show live finally. Thanks. Yeah, man. Dre, appreciate it. Uh, J Rock says, Satterfield, I wish we could get Jaheim Bell 1,000 touches, then proceeds to get zero. Was on the field nine times. That's inexcusable in a game like that, man. Because you have to you have to have the awareness that you're struggling. Like this is not working, whatever you're doing. And, and so that's one thing I admired about a lot of coaches is that have been here, including Spurrier, but I, I don't even think it's fair to compare this to what Spurrier did. There have been other coaches here that are like, all right, this isn't working. We have to try something. Mm-hmm. So let's put somebody in, let's try a little wrinkle, let's see if another player maybe has it today. Uh you're absolutely right. It's just sad. And here's the worst thing. It was like the past two games he's played, he's had 13 snaps. And after making that big comment in the damn press conference, Satterfield comes out and gives him four less. Four less and zero touches. Hey, Cavaliers says that style of offense does not cater to Rattler's athleticism. He's very limited. And I also believe he doesn't have the freedom to go make a play and run to get the first down. I still trust Beamer in my opinion. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, look, this is very frustrating simply because, you know, everybody sat here and watched, with the exception of two years under Muschamp, when he was there five, and because I'm, I'm going to give Bobo the benefit of the doubt in 2020. Um, I'm also going to say that, um, you know, Brian McClendon, his first year, uh, as up and down as it was sometimes, that at least was an offense you knew prior to the bowl, <laughs> that they would go score. You know, when Jake Bentley mm-hmm. was on and playing well, they could go score, you know. And then they they did things kind of like colleges do them. I think what happened to him was once you got down the road and people started to adjust, you know, there was really nothing past the RPOs. But but I thought, you know, so twice in how many years? Six, you know, since 24, has the offense not been good? People are sick of watching it, you know. Uh, there are so many good offenses now, whereas the SEC used to be uh, a, a kind of a defensive league. There are way, way more good offenses in this league than there used to be. And so you have to go score. Ray Tanner, I pointed this out too, when Shane Beamer was announced, Ray said the name of the game's offense now, Beamer's background in offense, blah, 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 blah. And everybody's talking about Lincoln Riley and Joe Brady. And man, and look, I'm not saying it doesn't look like them because it's not working. I'm saying it looks nothing like what they do or have done. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, third and 18 screen pass was a fireable offense. Absolutely. Yep. Um, Another one. No, no, <laughs> Queasy says no comments until Keith comes on. 
Um, you know, Clint says that this is a good point. The consecutive screen passes to Xavier Leggett with tempo was nice. Then we slowed down again. That happens over and over. You go to something, unless it's a run, a, a basic run play, mm-hmm. you know, something will start to work and then it, they just go away from it. So, uh, cocky gaming says, where are the slants period? Why do we throw the ball in third and three with the receivers? One yard past the line of scrimmage instead of three. It makes no sense at all. Yep. That would be, uh, that would be play calling. You know, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Play calling yeah. design. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Two first downs in a row. Uh, and that one to, to XL, th- those passes to Leggett were kind of on the opposite end of the field, uh, where they look like they could attack some and that's mm-hmm. it. AJM two, Jaheim may not, might, might just not be as good as we think he is. That's absolutely not true. Yeah, I don't, I don't see. That. I, I don't know what planet you're on with that, honestly. Okay, uh, and AGM. I think that's another ridiculous. Uh, huh? <laughs> what's the sample size this year? How do you make that determination? Yeah. <laughs> How have you seen enough of him to actually say he's not good? Yeah, I mean, th- there's no question. Let's run it between the tackles with a 185 pound running back. Um, Jan says, this is a good point. You can't run an up-tempo offense where you're constantly switching out personnel packages and groups. Nope. And, and look, that was my point. If you wanted to run, Carolina is actually blessed with some versatile players. You know, you could line up out there with, and that's what I thought was going to happen. Uh, you could line up there, out there, and Keith points this out a lot. You could go with Bell and Stogner and Wells and Van or somebody like that, right? Well, and you could, you could spread it out and, and run or throw or whatever. Well, then you can go right back and go to the I formation if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have Lloyd at running back, Bell's at fullback. Okay, well, then then you could do something with a double tight end set with them on the line of scrimmage if you wanted to. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of – and you could go really, really fast, yeah. you know, because you don't have to sub. But when you're sitting there, I mean, and look, that was a problem at Kentucky, and then they got better in the second half. The first half, when you see it in person, Jan was there, he knows. It is like watching it's a, a, just a glacial pace. And you look at the other sideline, there's two defensive coaches in this league are too good. You're not fooling anybody. They're going, oh, these guys are in. They've done their homework, unlike maybe the offensive coach. And uh, at South Carolina and, and said, okay, well, this is what they're going to do in this situation. And they don't always guess right. And sometimes Marshawn Lloyd will make a heroic individual play, and it works. But th- this isn't about working or not working. You know, mm-hmm. some days you can get your butt kicked, and that's fine. It's just about, like, things that make no sense, in my opinion. Uh, Drinkwitz actually schemes his offense around their best players. That's true, Titan, and look at Dominic Lovett. He's their best receiver. He's one of the top receivers in the SEC, statistically. Ten catches for however many yards. <laughs> They got him the ball. Yeah. You know, Mike mm-hmm. Bobo got Shy Smith the ball a whole lot, miraculously, when he, when he was here. Everybody mm-hmm. in the country knew that Shy Smith was the only really receiver Carolina had, yet he still got, what, how many, 46, 47 catches? You know, poor poor Juice Wells, He's he's got a lot of catches, but when you don't throw it down the field, you're limiting yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's, get, yeah here, and here's an interesting one. Love it. 10, 10 for 148. Wells? Seven for 52. Yeah. 52. Uh, and, yeah, and before that, it was six for 34, all behind yeah. the line of scrimmage. RB brings up a good point. Think about the, the second for the fact that Amari and Brown touched it more than Jaheim Bell, and that's no slight to Brown. And look, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, maybe I am. Um, so last year, you know, obviously there was a lot of talk about the offense internally and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, 
the 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 opinion was uh, about Bell specifically is that you know he's really an what you call the F receiver in this offense. And if I'm not mistaken, that's Amari Brown's position. It's kind of a slot uh, that yeah, yes, he's not a tight end, but he needs to be at that F spot. Uh, and we saw DeCarrie Joyner play at some too Saturday. Um, think about the difference in the offense in the bowl game where that's where Bell lined up <laughs> that F receiver position because Joyner, who was the starting F, uh, had gone to quarterback and then Brown came in and played it some. And think about how that thing hummed. You know, think about the big plays where he set the tone. Uh, 8JM2 with more nonsense here. Jaheim Bell has more than 50 yards in a game twice in his career. Vanderbilt and UNC, both pretty bad teams. I don't care about statistics. I'm why? why are, about what happened he, he hasn't. Time. He hasn't been played or used properly. When he has been, they've scored and he's made plays. What is so hard to learn about? Why are you looking at stats? Yeah. I mean, if he was out there and you know uh, dropping passes over and over and not getting the ball, I mean, come on, man, my God. Yeah. I mean, the most effective play he was on on Saturday, in on on Saturday, was when he was in the backfield with Marshawn Lloyd on that what third and short, I think it was, or might might even been a fourth and short, and they ran the fullback dive with Lloyd because you have to account yep. for Bell in the backfield. So yeah. it was like now we've got two big time playmakers in the backfield. You have to account for him, and Lloyd is of course able to pick up the first down. Yeah, that's the, the most the, effective play he had. Decoy. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. When you're when you're struggling like that, I mean, and and I can see another thing too, eight JM. If they were going up and down the field, no, you don't need him. Fine. Yeah. Uh, Titan says Schrader was killing us in the run game. I told you guys, look out for yeah. Schrader. Couldn't stop him. Eight JM two says I'm adjusting my outlook. Shane has a rebuild on his hands. We were wrong about the talent level. That's not true either. More lies, dude. Look, I'm sorry your predictions were way over the top. You know, and, and you weren't right about it, but I mean, I get it. We all make bad predictions sometimes, but you're wrong about the talent level, period, straight up. You can ask multiple coaches if you don't believe me. Uh, I'm not saying they have Alabama or Georgia level talent. Uh, I'm saying to blame this on talent is is lazy, wrong, ridiculous, and insulting to the good players on the team. And how, and can you, know? you, you can't honestly make an argument that the team that we faced off against Saturday had more talent on the field. You yeah. just got out coached. Yeah. You just got beat. You went out there flat and you got your ass handed to you. It doesn't, yeah. I mean, you know, it, yeah, it's a rebuild, but it's not a drastic rebuild. AGM2, right? It takes more than one or two seasons, even with the almighty portal. Um, Again, it's not talent. Uh, they did a good job in the portal. You know, we're talking about guys who are really good players not getting the ball, who actually have proven in games they are good players, and then they disappear. Yeah. So yeah. I, if you want to do account for that, that that's fine. You know, like I, I thought last year there were issues with the, with the, the operational aspects of the offense, and I thought I was a little bit uh, – I, I was encouraged when they went to Jason Brown because – with the bad offensive line issues, he could run around, throw it down the field, make a place. So you have some passing game. Well, then Missouri happened, and everybody's confused again. Well, then Auburn happened, and you get back, and then the Clemson game happened, and they, had, they, you know, in that game they had no chance because they didn't have, you know, Van had a hamstring, so it took away their number one receiving threat. They didn't know how to use Bell at the time. Uh, that was just a, a domination. 
you know, uh, and, and not that it wasn't disappointing that the defense gave up all those rushing yards against Clemson, but, you know, they had no chance on offense. This year's a lot different, you know, and again, I am not saying that South Carolina has, you know, elite top third of the SEC talent, but look at the other teams that are winning that have competent offenses that, that, that aren't necessarily uh, crazy uh, talent wise, you know, um, I just think that's uh, ridiculous. Uh, Jan says that neither owner you pay your heating bill. Now, that was a Halloween thing. Lady Bree <laughs> says, Spencer is an issue. Put Doty in, it can't get worse. If you don't, then who's going to get blamed? Sad, duh. You have to change one of the two if you're Beamer, and now it's on you as the head coach. Well, I mean, if that's going to happen, you know, and that makes him better, I love Luke Doty. I thought he got a bad rep last year. Uh, more power to him, you know, if that's what happened. Uh, here's the thing. If you put him in and it doesn't work, you have a an example of how Spencer's going to handle that already in front of you. Yeah. So you that's a big gamble. That's why yeah. I was like, why don't you put the carry on in there just for a few plays, switch it up a little bit, you know, have to account for two, you know, backs in the backfield, one of them being the quarterback. And, you know, because that I don't think that's going to piss off your starter, right? I mean, you're just putting in a different package. And Missouri again sends a big time message. And Missouri, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, you're right. You're right. I didn't didn't mean to step on you there. Missouri uh, has had trouble this year against dual threat quarterbacks. Florida was able to run it pretty well with its backs, but I think the threat of Richardson kind of had them off balance. Kansas State was able to run the ball against them. Stetson Bennett was able to run the ball against them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Cartwright says, I want want Freddie still pro style. I'm not talking about uh, long term. I'm talking about now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that Freddie Kitches is going, if they make a change at OC in the offseason, I don't think Freddie's going to get it. Um, You know, that's it. Blah, blah, blah. Tristan says, would y'all agree that it's a skill to be able to feel something is about to go bad and cut it off before it gets bad? Um. You know, Tristan, I get the feeling a lot of you just want him to, to make, you know, to punt sat. Let me just tell you this. Once they decided he was coming back this year, you're stuck with him just about the whole year. And that's the case with any coach. You know, Steve Spurrier had the ability once to change defensive coordinators midstream because he had two coordinators. He had Thompson and Tyrone Nix that ran that they kind of had the same defense. You know, he just had somebody step. But I mean, I don't know outside of kitchens and you'd have to promote him and demote sat because one's an analyst and one's a a full-time coach. Um, You know, I don't know how you hand this uh, cattywampus thing off to someone else when you really don't have, I mean, limbo called plays a while back, you know, steps never called plays. I'm sure he's capable, but I mean, you can't just switch it out. uh, You know, I think, you know, Kentucky was your opportunity because you're heading into the bye week, but you won that game. So yeah. once you want, you know, once he makes it through the bye week, because it was perfect, it was in the middle of the season. You'd had six games after that to make a difference, but I think it's unreasonable at this point to think. AJM two says, "How do I vote on the poll question?" I think the answer is yes. Let's ban him because at this point he's just trolling. Just ban HJM two. <laughs> I'm sick of hearing it. You're wrong. <laughs> You know, you're wrong. You've been wrong. You continue to stir the pot and troll. Get out of the chat box, at least for 30 days. I'm going to put him in timeout. Put him in timeout. Yeah, he needs to be in timeout. I'm I'm sick of that. 
<laughs> uh, Twisted Fire Sat Chicken, your first poll was wrong. Satterfield now has the most punchable face in the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> he says, not going to talk about Sat. That's a dead dog. couple of questions, though. Any news on Lavoisier Carroll if Marshawn can't go? I'd love to see what he can do. You know, somebody needed to give, be given a chance. Amos, maybe. Uh, you know, I. I, I don't know why Christian Bill Smith has not been effective this year. It's probably health related. Um, I, honest to God, would have probably if he's not that if he's not hundred percent healthy, redshirted. You know, yeah, yeah, or, mm-hmm. or keep him another year. But you know, I don't think any of that's a bad idea. Uh, like, I mean, if it's so easy, quote unquote, just to pitch the ball to Bell, why not do it? Uh, I would have tried something because the backup running backs, unfortunately, on Saturday weren't getting anything. No, anything. Uh, Tiffany makes a point. Missouri attacked our least talented areas on D. Yeah, well, they go after weaknesses. I don't ever see. I don't ever see Carolina do that. No. Um, Dre says I bought a ticket to the Tennessee game. Last time I went to a game was nineteen in Georgia. We're gonna shock the world, folks. Don't worry. Glad to do that. Bring it. Um, <laughs> Bring it. Let's. Hope. Lady makes a good point. Take the RPO out of his hands. Spencer can't make one read, much less three. Uh, RPO has done well with that. Get him blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think if you're going to do RPOs, go downfield. I mean, some of the most effective RPOs uh, are like slants, you know, and, and against a team like Missouri where they're crashing in there like that. Uh, I'd try to get like, shoot, somebody matched up with a linebacker across the middle, something like that. I don't mm-hmm. know. And I would have um, much rather seen the read option when you've got, you know, when Lloyd's out because, you know, you got Juju who's, who we know is good on the perimeter, but is, you know, his game isn't up the middle. I mean, even we know that. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, uh, Dan says, hell, I'd let Limbo dial it up. Can't be any worse. Um, you know, Josh says, Mark Satterfield's for the Matt Rule tree. Let's do rule of favor and free up Sat. <laughs> be interesting. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, blah, blah, same old stuff. Our formula for success this year is running the ball. The first half, how many times did we run the ball? Well, they had seven uh, for Lloyd. I don't think he got a carry the second half. So Let's see. Yeah, one, two, three. <laughs> one, two, three. Then we didn't have the ball for nine minutes. I mean, you know, it's... <laughs> Gregor says, and this is damning, having to call timeout coming out of a TV timeout shows you how complicated and long it takes. I wanted to jump out of the stadium. Yeah, and look, hey, I have no problem calling a timeout out of a TV timeout if you're dialing something awesome up. You know? Because it looks a lot better when you get the ball back and uh, you should have your play already in there and then you have a false start because that happened on Saturday too. Zach mentions the offensive line stuck. Dylan Wanham got beat all game. Should have pulled him or put an extra blocker on that side. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, where was Tyson Wanamaker? Tyson Wanamaker. If Dylan's not good, if any of the – you have four offensive tackles that have been playing pretty consistently. Uh, if one's not doing the job, reverse it. Um, and I don't I don't know if Greg Atkins was coaching Saturday or not. I know he's on the sidelines. Um, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and say the line didn't play well because Coach Atkins came back, but – you know, that's uh, just one of those things. Uh, Hood 89 says, how much did the offense or lack thereof play into the decision of Mazio Bennett? I'm told it was everything. Uh, and it's not just Carolina's offense. It's compared to Tennessee's. So there we go. 
on and on and on and on and on, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lady Bree says, our weakness on D was the white. Because with white, it's not the players. A little bit sure, but they attacked the same weakness in our scheme the whole game. Just like they did to our O, the coaches were outcoached. I don't, I don't, I'm not a disagreeing Clayton White got outcoached by Drinkwitz. I think Drinkwitz put on a clinic with play calling, yeah. but I also think the defense played well enough, uh, adjusting to uh, hold them to two field goals after the start. And like I said, you're going to get into games like this. Anybody remember the 01 Alabama game? You know, Bama probably did not have what you call an explosive offense that year. South Carolina did have a good defense, Charlie Strong. Uh, and Carolina played really good defense that year, most of the year. Well, they came in and attacked the Gamecocks, running the option with Tyler Watts, uh, and went up and down the field. They're 36 24. And guess what? Lou was like, Skip, you need to, you need to probably just go five wide and run it, you know, because we can't stop them. And they came back and won the game. You know why? Because on because you play complimentary football on offense, you have to have the offense, uh, to go get things done when your defense isn't doing well. Just like you need a def- the defense to tighten up and, you know, keep them from scoring. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know when you get behind like that, I thought they did their job. But, uh, Lady Bree, you're absolutely right. I mean, they, they attacked the defense. They attacked the defense. You know, that was the thing there. All right, we're going to take a break. Top of the hour. Keith coming up here after a little bit. Right here uh, on the yeah, inside He just said uh, about 1230. So we about 12.30. All right, so yep. we'll see him about 28 minutes. Going to get to the uh, some I help consulting mailbag stuff. Uh, and all that good stuff. So that's uh, that's the deal there. Uh, we'll be back after these messages inside the Gamecocks show. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man. Hey man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. 
Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show family vacations a new car a new boat all cost money but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now i help consulting can help you finally get the kids to disney world upgrade the minivan or drop that new boat in the water next summer let daniel and i help consulting consult with you no fees just savings you pay them a percentage of those savings save on essential services credit card fees you name it let them find it these folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot them an email at aburgesson, that's B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N, at remax.net for all of your commercial or residential, not residential, rather, commercial or investment real estate needs. Oh, it's we hopping, hopping, hopping on the chat box today. Everybody's got something to say, and I feel you. I mean, you know. <laughs> How about high-speed Nerf here? He's a Missouri fan. Oh, he or she. Let's I'm see. a Tigers fan. Just want to say good game to the South Carolina fans. A good luck on the rest of your season. Yeah, your team completely outcoached the Gamecocks and yeah. got the ball to their playmakers. And that's kind of a hell of a defense. I mean, you, you look at Missouri this year, with the exception of the Kansas State game where they turned it over four times, they've been pretty, pretty stingy on that side of the ball. Now, we'll see how they do against Tennessee. <laughs> but, but they played well against Georgia and you know they've got I think they've got a chance to end up having a decent season I, you know I'm, I'm, I think Carolina probably should have played a little better um going on and on and on our line has ACC talent not SEC talent Ooh, ouch oh offense or defense you know I, I, I don't know I think D-line is um SEC, I think offensive lines SEC level too. It's just kind of funny. These guys will go out and play pretty well, then they won't have another good game. But you know, I I, I think you know the the class they have for this class, assuming they hold on to everybody um, coming in, is going to be good in time. Uh, 
Um, but but you're still not going to have a perfect day against the defensive lines you face in this league. It's just every team from Alabama on down struggles, you yeah. know, uh, at times up front, and it's just because they're so good, you know. Um, you know, Nick, you can you can blame the offensive line all you want, but I, I think they're they're trying, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he says late to the show today. I noticed one play. Where the safety was obviously cheating on the line on a blitz. The corner was impressed, man, and we proceeded, proceeded to run the ball anyway. Yeah, there's no – nothing. No, no. adjustment. Um, no. So, that's uh, that's the deal there uh, with that. So, I just uh, – I don't, I don't feel like we saw very much shaking things up on the line. Like, you know, looking at two weeks ago – you're rotating guys in and out on the O-line, you know, you're running that Campbell and Atkins in there. I think we only saw that for one or two plays this past week, even though it was really effective the week before. Um, you know, I wouldn't put it all on the O-line because if you're if you're struggling, you need to you need to put in different guys. You got to, you know, you got other playmakers back there that have done well. Wanamaker, you know, it just, I don't know. It, it didn't make any sense. Top to bottom, it really it just didn't. That, that's the maddening part about this. And look, let, let's be honest. Not every play, you know, there's some plays that work against some defenses and some plays that work against others. That's called coaching, right? Right, right. I mean, you know, you look at any playbook, they're like, okay, when they do this, we're going to do this. And when they do this, we're going to do this. That's That's coaching. But the maddening part of it is the, these these formations and packages and concepts, you know, you should still be able to use those if they're effective. You just run a different play, you know. Right. It's like, okay, this team's susceptible to inside runs. Well, we're going to get the Atkins-Campbell package out here, and we're going to run it inside. Well, if they're susceptible on the outside, you go to the outside. Mm-hmm. Or if they're susceptible to the counter, you go to the counter. I mean, I the problem with us there is that it takes, you know, you're going to have to run three or four guys off and three or four guys in to make that adjustment. Every, yeah. And you every. can't. Yeah, I mean, that's the, Jeff says, I work with a former tight end and he suggests, and I tend to agree, our offense may be too complicated. We don't seem to have a stable of go to plays that we can modify. And the, 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 the preacher all said, the preacher said to the congregation, say amen, amen, hallelujah. Amen. Jeff, that's uh, whoever that is. Knows football and is spot on in my opinion. Uh, maybe says it was in the second half. The first half we had all those good 50-50 balls. I didn't see a single one in the second half. Our entire offense that first half was those 50-50 balls. I agree. Um, Lance says so I'm just – The thing that irritated the hell out of me about the damn interception that was thrown, it was like he was throwing – do you know who he was throwing it to? Joiner. Why? Mm. Why? Oh, no. Uh – 76 says, I'm a happy guy generally, but Mondays truly do suck after shouting all over the field. <laughs> Losing is such a fashion as we find ways to do. Uh, maybe says, well, Stodder, Brooks, and Bell can all moss dudes, and that's what they gave us, and we refused to take it. Agree, and you can do it in different ways. You don't have to sit Spencer in the pocket the whole day and do it. No, I mean, they did the little rollout tight end pass, and I was like, ah, you know, the first drive, right? The little rollout kind of tied in past the starter. I was like, that's exactly what you need to do. Now, it was all kind of bunched up, but he popped out of there and got a nice game. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, Quantrell says, I think it's pride and ego with the play calling. The great ones adjust to personnel. The NFL does it. Look at the quarterback position. Looks a whole lot different than it did 10 years ago. Amen, Quantrell. Yes. 
I mean, that's that the great ones do adjust. I mean, South Carolina had a head coach that was the probably the bet one of the best play callers in the history of the sport, right? College football, one of the best. Even his uh, the 2014 season when when he the last game he really chose to dial them up himself. He lit Auburn up like a Christmas tree. Uh, so the guy didn't lose it. He lit it up with the Orlando Apollos. So he knows what he's doing. Even he adjusted his run game. You know, because they got they got Lattimore in. They had Garcia that was kind of a dual threat guy. So they went uh, Sean Elliott. And, it was Eric Wolford first that brought in the zone read. And then Elliott came in and put on top of that the App State run game. Um, and, and that was the secret to the success. I mean, they worked around. Uh, it drove Spurrier crazy sometimes. But they, they they played it up to Connor Shaw's strengths. But Steve Spurrier played it up to the strengths of his team. Okay. Think about that Georgia game. They gave it to Marcus Lattimore 37 times. Because that's what was working, okay? And Georgia couldn't stop him, okay? He says, well, shoot, I'm not going to throw the ball at all. And you it's know? not just a college concept. Look at what the Titans did yesterday. 32 carries for for uh, Derrick Henry. 219 yeah. yards and two touchdowns. It's like, here, just stop it. If you can't stop it, I'm going to keep running it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lance says, something. Well, do you feel something will change this weekend? Maybe some kinks that could help us rust the way? Or is this just is what it is? I think it just is what is what what it is. What you got to hope for. Lloyd's injury is not that serious. He comes back. You get him going, and then you know, hope hopefully you can selectively hit pass plays, and the defense and special teams plays well. I mean, it is what it is. I, I would like to sit here and say, oh no, they're going to make all these adjustments, but it's been twenty one games, just hadn't hadn't done it. Uh, maybe says if we have to run the NFL stuff, can we just run the Bengals offense? <laughs> <laughs> they throw it up to Jamar Chase and T Higgins one-on-one. And is that available? Is yeah, that's the kind of pro style. I don't even think it's like necessarily pro style. I, I think when you talk about pro style, you could do all kinds of different things. Um, you know, because the, the pros borrow a lot from college. The, the difference is how you teach it, how you call it and how you implement it. Okay. That's where the disconnect is, all those three areas. When you have these, you know, you don't have time to work on a new set of plays every single week. You, you don't have time uh, in college when you're limited to perfect a system like this. And you certainly don't have many, many games. In game eight, you know, you, you, you just, you know, in the NFL, you can lose three games and still go to the playoffs, right? Yeah. If you if you if you take it if you take a little time to get your players right and get accustomed to the system. Uh, hey, yeah, you're three and three after the first six, uh, and then you, you win eight out of the last ten because it starts clicking. Great, you're still going to the playoffs. Sometimes you go; to those teams go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, in college, you can't you can't take three L's and say, "Oh, well, we fixed it." You know, you're you're okay. So that's the difference. You spend all this time you, you fix it in the off season, right? Right. You know, and so that's the thing there. Clint says, "Have we run any fade routes to our big receivers or Stogner at all this year?" I don't. I don't know that Stogner's running fades. I, I don't see a lot of fade routes, man, to be honest. No, target have been the back of the end zone, but it's not your typical fade, you know. And he has yet to catch that, so why do we keep throwing? <laughs> you, you, you guys remember the Outback Bowl where Bentley hit Shy Smith on that slot fade play out of the spread? <laughs> man, you got so many players that can run that. Like Juice Wells and Amari Brown will be lethal on that type of play. I don't ever see anything like that. 
Nope. You know, Jake, Jake didn't need all day to throw that down the field, and Spencer's got to go to arm just like Bentley did. I mean, I'm sure he could throw that. Oh, especially. I mean, that was one thing that was aggravating, too, because we had a third down and like four, I think. Uh, I want to say this was in the second quarter. Uh, we put a play together that, you know, was going to take five seconds to develop and Spencer gets sacked. Drinkwitz has the same opportunity on a third and reasonable. And, you know, it's just a clinic. Guy cuts across the middle, plays balls in and out of Cook's hands within, you know, two and a half seconds and first down. Boom. Clemson does that. Clemson will go yeah. third, third and four and they throw a five yard out at the sticks and, and, and first down. You know, <laughs> I've seen them do that over and over and over this year. You know what? Because their kids know how to run their offense. Mm-hmm. And they, they know, oh, and our offense makes sense. I mean, it's nothing special. Uh, you know, and I would take nothing special at this point. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Joseph from Spartanburg in the IHOP Consulting mailbag. I left the game early for the first time in 25 years. That was pathetic. Team didn't seem like they were interested. I agree they came out flat. Yeah. Didn't play with the passion. The offensive coordinator's a dead horse. If he's remained retained, I'll write off my fandom and get into basket weaving. <laughs> the defense is consistently like consistent in my golf game, which is not fun. Yeah, I mean, look, the defense did not play well, especially at the start. No. But Lastly, that's what happened. You know, you're going to have a bad game on one yeah. side of the ball. So many coaches are good in this league, man. I mean, yeah. so everybody's got players, especially on offense these days. Lastly, why does the why do the officials hate Carolina and love Clemson? I hate this toxic relationship I have with this football program. <laughs> Am I overreacting, Joseph from Spartanburg? Nah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bar- Baron, um, I answered your question on the website. Hudson says, "Oh boy, what's up, guys?" Used to email a lot when it's just a podcast, but first time since the show went live. Beaver's sticking to his guns on Satterfield, and it's clear that Satterfield will at least be on staff till the end of the year. Yeah, I, I was told no change. But is there anyone on staff that Shane could have call plays the remainder of the season? Besides Freddie Kitchens, I don't think so. Or is Sat the only person able to call plays in his offense? Yeah. I get the optics of not wanting to fire him, but at this point, based on comments from players like Rattler about a lack of plan, on what to do against Missouri, I fear frustration with the offense has reached a boiling point. Just hoping there's something that can be done to spark something in the arm of team, the team and build back on the momentum we so easily gave away this weekend. I don't know. I mean, just try to play. Um, try to play better, get Lloyd back, try to run the ball. Um, enough is enough. FireMarcusSatterfield.com. Leaving the stadium, fans were discussing chanting fire sat during the Tennessee game. Seem to be picking up momentum. Just thought I shared it with you. Look, man, if things go bad in a game, I, I get it. But I wouldn't, like, set out to do it. You know, that's just uh, – you, this isn't the pros. You're dealing with college kids. You don't know, like, if fans get that overtly toxic, how it affects things like recruiting. I mean, we can talk about it here all you want. I don't think it matters. But uh, – no. You know, and there were some the recruits in that had some good experiences because I saw him tweet about it on Twitter. Yeah. You know. And, and by the way, I think Carolina's going to get Elijah Davis, who visited this weekend. I'm actually pretty confident in that one, the JUCO defensive tackle. Uh, who's a good one? Who's a good one? Uh, Dustin mentions he could, if he could clone 21 Emmett Warres, would be a fantastic shape. That guy's playing his butt off, man. And if he makes a mistake, he comes mm-hmm. right back and keeps battling. 
Yeah. Uh, yep. He's he's good. He's good. The you scariest know? thing that happened on Saturday was right at the beginning of the game when it looked like he was really hurt. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> that is not good. Please All come right. back. Please come back. <laughs> All right. I got I got an email from AJM, too. Let's let's take her out of timeout. No, it should be. It should. It's be. a her. It's a. It's a her. I didn't. Know it that. should be. Uh... Take her out of timeout. Sorry about that. I just. Uh, it seemed like you were trolling. Sometimes we have to guard against trolls, but I get it. I'm. I'm not. Uh, not wanting to take opinions, no matter how off the mark they are, uh, out of the chat box. I apologize. Right. Uh, Soda City's tough loss Saturday. The sad part is it wasn't surprising because the offense played the same way we do every week with Lloyd injured. We just didn't get our usual second touchdown. <laughs> Tried to run yeah. Juju up the middle. Changes supposed to be made. Hopefully we can beat Vandy, and if we get a little lucky, sneak out of Gainesville with a seventh win. I don't know about that. I don't know. Florida probably, in my opinion, with the way they came back on Georgia, gained some momentum. I thought I was on the way to getting that right, that Georgia was going to hang half a hundred. Uh, but the Gators battled back. Brad says, get sat out of here. Uh, I appreciate you covering Carolina's ath- athletics with, with, uh, with sugar, without sugarcoating the sour issues. After briefly tuning into your competitors' post-game coverage of tonight's game uh, and listening to their inability to address the obvious, I'm grateful to hear your no BS takes. In a world where everyone's afraid that someone's feelings may get hurt when the truth is delivered, it's remarkably refreshing. Brad from Belton uh, go Cox beat Vandy forever to the, and then he says a bunch of stuff that I didn't read about sat because of time, but it's basically the same thing you guys have said yeah. uh, over and over. So that's good. But Bradford Belton, that's cool. I don't know which competitor you listen to. Uh, let's just say this. There's a reason we don't do immediately after the game. <laughs> uh, and uh, there's a reason I wait until Mondays because I need a day to process. So I don't say something that I regret or that's wrong. Um, all that good stuff uh, with my game thoughts. A lot of people uh, have taken some crap about it, Phil, from some section of the big spur.com uh, because they uh, they're like, well, he's just parroting what the coaching staff has to say. No, I'm not. I, you know, I check with sources. I get other people's opinions to kind of help me formulate my own about the game. But I never th- – those aren't talking points I put up, right? Yeah, I put up real general stuff on Twitter, you know, oh, I saw immediate it. reactions. But uh, beyond that, I, I dig in on Sunday and then speak a bit more knowledgeably on Monday. <laughs> and and I, I've just decided, I tweeted a couple of things generically out about changes. Changes need to happen, you know, just generally. But uh, I, uh, <laughs> you know, I honestly, I hate tweeting these days. I mean, I, I, I'll retweet a bunch of stuff if you guys follow me. Um, sometimes I'll have a point. Sometimes I won't. But I hate tweeting. I especially hate tweeting during games because nine times out of ten, if you're in my position, you tweet something during the game, that game's going to turn, and it's going to turn out that you're gonna look like a donkey, a jackass, you know, at the end. Um, so uh, there we go with that. Brian says, I take back all the positivity talk because remember Brian last week was like, hey, it's yeah. too negative. Uh, sad is not good and a change has to be made still a lot in front of us but tonight was disappointing and it was yeah um, and okay all right so here's another thing to pray for game cop pastor i was wondering phil while we haven't uh you know uh 
haven't heard from him. Um, and he goes Floyd, and then we got something on Flo, Floyd of Did Rose you see? Do you know why? Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not going to put his. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll let you know after the show. But sure, yeah, yeah. Do, I'll do, pray do, for him. Hancock Pastor and his family, and your thoughts and prayers. He's he's going through a rough spot right now. Yeah. So, all right, back to the Nana Sports chat box. Yeah, definitely tell me because I I know yeah. he had gone through a little bit, but you know, uh, Jeff, all right, BCP says. Let Beamer continue to develop the culture, hire a new OC, move on from Rattler ASAP. We do that. We have a shot at going places. I don't agree with Rattler. I think in the right system, he can be a very dangerous quarterback. But he's got just like any any quarterback is going to have to be comfortable. Raise your hand if the five quarterbacks, besides to carry a joiner, who was just out there running around and playing, right? <laughs> uh, so four of the five quarterbacks that have played in this system, who has looked comfortable the entire time at, or at all? Don't raise it. Nobody raised their hand. Yeah, right. Yeah. Not everybody all at um, once, please. Now, if Rattler, <laughs> like I said, though, I, I'm not, I'm not dismissing this and sitting here saying, you know, I'm team Spencer Rattler and going down with that ship. If that's the cause, if that's the problem, put a new quarterback in hell. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not married to Spencer Rattler. I, you know, I didn't think he was a five-star guy coming out. You know, I thought that he would be a massive upgrade at Carolina <laughs> from what they had last year and an experienced guy that had something to prove. And I, I think he's got a heck of, heck of an arm. But if there is somebody better, go do it. And I'll, I'll if it's Luke Doty that needs to come in there and play, and he comes in there and this offense looks completely different and, Change his course. I'll eat my words on sap. I'll eat every every daggum word I've said, because the bottom line is winning, folks. It, it's you gotta, <laughs> you know, it, it's about winning. And what frustrates me is when people talk about process and learning and getting keys to the system and all these things you don't really hear, uh, except for in year one of a new coach when he takes over a place like like at Mississippi State with Mike Leach in twenty twenty one. You know, they had the big first game against LSU, but they had that guy from Stanford that's slower than Al Poop out there playing in that system, and he wasn't going to last. Next thing you know, five interceptions, he's gone. You know, they, that that school, Mississippi State, even though Moorhead's offense wasn't terribly far off, they had to adjust. They had to adjust to get used to it. Uh, same thing with Steve Spurrier his first year here. I mean, he took over a team that Lou Holtz wanted to – at the end was trying to run the option, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, he, he kind of made it work, but uh, you know, you, you don't, you know, with the exception of one year, the, your first year, you know, you can't be sitting there in game eight talking about how he needs to adjust to the system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause there it's like, okay. Even if you do have a good offensive performance here on out, the, the worrisome thing is, it's like, okay, is it, Every year, it's going to take us eight games to figure it out, and yeah. that's unacceptable because you can't do that. Period. If you cannot do that, you don't have enough games to lose in college. It's just the season's not long enough. Exactly, and and you know that that's very true, Phil. I mean, you can't sit there and wait, uh, you know, and and all that. Plus, you have to think too. These days in college football, there's so much transition with the portal uh, and things like that. You know, a lot of schools are. are you know, recruiting quarterbacks out of the portal and bringing them in. They're starting and thriving. Obviously, at South Carolina, it's too difficult to do that. So that's the thing there. Um, Tim says, do you make, JC, do we make a change at OC after Clemson or signing day? 
Man, I don't know. That's that's a that's a good question and kind of another judgment call, you know. So I don't know. Uh, Craig says, "Why hasn't Amos left if he never gets a carry? Seems we could use a six foot one, two hundred thirty pound yard, two hundred thirty pound back when Lloyd goes out. I don't get it, but I'm not at practice. I don't either. I, I, yeah, it seems I like know. maybe they try something. I mean, you know, or hey, Bell's six three, two thirty. Why not give him the ball?" I mean, again, uh, since you stated that it's that easy, so uh, it's just easier to do that. All right, we have we got through the mailbag today and catched up on the chat box, Phil. Got to take our final break of the day. By the way, I found out why Mayor McCheese was expelled from McDonald's. That's right. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> Seriously, um, it, it's because of the, the people that created HR Puff and stuff sued McDonald's, and uh, they came to an agreement that they get rid of Mayor McCheese. That pisses me off, and so now I'll never be an HR Puff and Stuff fan. <laughs> Back after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention, attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is pitcher Noah Hall. 
If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasporch.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show this this is braylon wimmer south carolina gamecock baseball and you are listening to inside the gamecocks the show with jc and phil go cox welcome back to inside the gamecocks the show everybody the second hour is brought to you by the burgesson team at uh, remax by the lake give adam or Derek a call or shoot them an email at a burgesson b-e-r-g-e-s-o-n at remax.net and we are now joined by keith Alsep, who i'm sure has absolutely nothing to say about the performance that we saw on saturday <laughs> keith how Gosh, do you do that? five lost five <laughs> lost jimbo this week five lost this week <laughs> this keeps getting better and better in college yeah it does <laughs> well guys uh great to be with you uh sorry for the lateness um, I had a doctor's appointment and had a whole bunch of fluid drained off my knee. So at least I can bend it now. So that's a good thing. Um, I mean, look, uh, JC and I talked about it. He was on my show on Friday. We talked off the air. I was very, very tempted to pick Missouri all week because I just didn't know if South Carolina could handle success. We've seen them handle adversity under Shane Beamer, but how do you handle success when you, you know, you just won four games in a row. You um, are ranked for the first time. Everybody's telling you how good you are and you ought to win the next two games and go to the swamp seven and two. And look, it's not just Marcus Satterfield that, didn't do his job on Saturday in the first half. I mean, I think I read South Carolina had 10 possessions, uh, five three and outs, and eight possessions of five or fewer plays. Uh, And they barely scratch 100 yards again in the first half, less than that in the second half. I think they had like 82 or 83 yards until that last meaningless screen pass, which that's all we saw. I mean, JC, 
if I'd have told you after we got Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, Austin Stogner, you return Van Bell, who is on a milk carton, and Marion Brown, and eight games in under with Spencer Rattler as a starting quarterback, you would have no downfield passing game. What would you say? I mean, Siderfield was like a one-pitch pitcher for the second year in a row. Missouri said, you're not running it inside. They pressured inside uh, when it was running or passing downs and distance. And not once did he move Rattler outside the pocket. Not once was there a rollout, a bootleg, a waggle, nothing to give him a clean pocket. And Jaheim Bell again, zero touches. And I'm sick of the excuses. I mean, you listen to my show on Spotify, shameless plug on Wednesday or Apple Podcasts. There's a long rant about Marcus Satterfield at the end of my coordinator Q&A. I call it the, the quick hits. Because you have to start with the most interesting and go to the least interesting. And clearly Pete Limbo is the most interesting man in the world. He could be the next Dos Equis guy. <laughs> then Clayton White, then Satterfield, who talks about how great Jaheim Bell is and how great he plays without the ball and how he wishes he could get it to him 20 times. Well, it's pretty hard to do that when the guy plays 13 plays. And then you go into this game and uh, you make no adjustments. I mean, look, the defense was not perfect. It really was awful in the first half. 264 yards, 17 points. But you know what Clayton White did? They made adjustments at halftime. That's coaching. That's motivation. That's commanding your group that respects you. And they laid it on the line. Missouri barely had 100 yards total offense the second half. They had six points. And quite frankly, you only give up 23 points at home to Missouri. You should win the game. But when your offensive coordinator blows chunks, uh, and this has been outside of the anomaly of the Florida quitters and North Carolina who, let's face it, defense is optional there. App State got 61, okay? So outside of that, he's the same guy he's always been. That's why I thought it was a huge gamble. JC thought it was a huge gamble to bring this guy back, particularly when you add – Stogner, Wells, Rattler, you turned the college football world upside down with those announcements of Rattler and Stogner. You win the bowl game. Shane Beamer could have hired anybody in the country at that point. He doubled down on his friend, who quite frankly sucked last year. And uh, based on conversations I've had, there are multiple players right now I mean, on offense that are not happy. And the transfer portal's been really good to South Carolina, but if Shane Beamer does not cut out this cancer in his program, the transfer portal is not going to be kind to South Carolina in December. Talking with Keith Allsup, Locked on the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, we got uh, a couple of news um, 
news notes here. Florida has dismissed Brenton Cox from the team. He's throwing punches late in that Georgia game, and he didn't have such a good go of it at Georgia either, but he's one of their best defensive players. Mississippi State Athletic Director John Cohen is going to be the next AD at Auburn. Yep, saw that. Fascinating. Um, He's their former baseball coach, by the way, former baseball coach at Kentucky. And then the Gamecocks and Gators in the Swamp will kick off at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So those are some notes from around – college football, SEC, and, of course, the kickoff time for the Gators, 4 p.m. at the Swamp coming up here in a couple of weeks. Well, you know, Keith, obviously, you know, based on what I've been told and, you know, all that, there's not a change coming. Um, So what do you do? I mean, I I don't know that with with Satterfield still calling it that you're going to reinvent the wheel. Uh, My guess is you just got to – because I do think Marshawn Lloyd's injury – prevented this offense from succeeding in spite of the play calling, you know. Um, I think in the in the first half, he did not have room to run, but he was finding the, a way to get upfield. Uh, he's that talented. Um, so it was tough to – by the way, happy birthday to talk to him anyway. Um, it was tough, uh, you know, to lose him, you know, I thought. But you have to be able to adjust, <laughs> you know, and you have to be able to say, oh, shoot, we're not going to have our guy – uh, so we, we got to make some things happen down the field. And, and the personnel usage is atrocious. Uh, the tempo, the operational tempo, and I'm not talking about these guys need to go Tennessee fast. You're just sitting there letting the other defensive coordinator adjust to everything you do running these personnel packages in and out. I gave you credit earlier and pointed out that you had pointed this out, and I pointed it out before. South Carolina has the luxury of versatile players like Stogner and Bell and Juju McDowell. You could run a whole lot of different formations and plays uh, without having to substitute w- w- with this personnel. Yet we never see it. Um, so what do you do? I mean, I think they've got enough to go beat Vandy, and but if, if things don't get better, they, Vandy's going to be a dogfight. Uh, South Carolina uh, is going to go to the swamp and get beat. Uh, Tennessee will be one of the most embarrassing losses in the history of the program at home. And they're not going to cross the 50 against Clemson. I mean, that's the reality they're faced with unless something changes. Now, I don't, how do you change it right now? I, I don't know. Uh, do you have any answers? JC, after 21 games, you can't expect a leopard to change their spots. I think this guy is baked in. It's not that he can't fly the plane. He couldn't build the plane. He could build the plane. But he can't fly the plane. He can't land the plane. And on Saturday, he crashed the damn plane into the side of the only mountain in the flight plan. And that's all he had to do was get over one mountain and it's smooth sailing. And he crashed it right in the side of the mountain. Now, look, we know South Carolina was winning in spite of the offense, right? Like, Kentucky, first half, you barely have 100 yards. Texas A&M, the defense uh, and special teams get you going. And you had a 50-yard drive. And, you know, after the head coach basically bullied you into running the ball, you had that late drive, you know, that sealed the game. But you went like 30 minutes without scoring. And you really, without a heave to Brooks, you didn't even threaten to score. 
right? And against Kentucky, well, I mean, we've seen what Kentucky's like even with Will Levis, who, like I said, Levis, Anthony Richardson, those dudes are way overhyped. And so I don't know that you can expect anything. I think what you have to hope is Clayton White's unit doesn't come out flat because, you know, Missouri in the first half, you turn Brady Cook into Chase Daniel. I mean, that dude was seven of eight in the first quarter. I think he was 12 of 16 in the first half. They had 264 yards. And then they had 103 in the second half. And the defense gave you a chance to win, but you kept going three and out, three and out, three and out, five and out, three and out. And you you couldn't do anything because they said, hey, we're pressuring you right up the middle, just like we did last year, and we know you're not going to adjust. And it's not just Jaheim Bell's parents that are upset. It's other key players on that offense that are upset too. And Spencer Rattler, you saw his frustration come out on Saturday. I mean, does anybody think Spencer Rattler signed up to basically look like a rookie quarterback in the NFL? Hats off to you, JC, for that analogy. No, he came here because he was told we're going to be in this great offense and we got all these weapons and we're going to be throwing it and running it. And you're not. And look, there are nice plays in the offense, but this guy doesn't know when to call them, how to call them, when to adjust. It's the same crap we saw last year, except this year you can't blame it on players. You can't blame it on Rattler, Stogner, Wells, Marshawn Lloyd. Jaheim, what, Jaheim Bell, you certainly can't blame it on him. Hell, you don't even play him. And, and every pass is vertical, I mean, uh, horizontal to the line of scrimmage. The only deep throws have been on scramble plays by Spencer Rattler. You know he throws the ball best on the run, yet you run no design boots and waggles that allow him to do what he does best, JC, which that's what coaching is supposed to do is put your best players and give them the best chance to be successful by allowing them to do what they do best. And it is square peg, round hole, once again, for Marcus Satterfield. Honestly, uh, you know, look, uh, some some guys in college football to call plays are, are a little bit of – they're savants, right? They have a great system. It's proven. And, you know, you're in your second year of a system. Uh, maybe you don't have an – inherit an ideal situation at quarterback. Maybe you don't have uh, the players exactly to fit that. And you adjust and you go through growing pains. Marcus Satterfield did not have a good offense at Temple. Statistically, they were never above 70th in the country. Last time he had a good offense was 2010 uh, at Chattanooga. Now, if I were him, I'd have dusted that playbook off and ran that this year. And and I don't understand for the life of me why, you know, you spend one year as an assistant to an assistant in the NFL, and all of a sudden you come back and your idea is to run all this crazy stuff. Uh, I would understand it if there was light at the end of the tunnel where you could say, okay, well, 
It's just a matter of the players getting the system down, and then it's going to be unstoppable. There's no proof. There's no track record that says that. You, you, so you're not only forcing guys to it, you're forcing them to adjust to a bad scheme. And I'll tell you this right now, best play callers in college football, that they wouldn't have. They wouldn't be sitting there doing this. I mean, what what, what Leach do his first year when, the, when he had that guy from Stanford that all of a sudden became an interception machine? He just went with the, the freshman because he's a better fit. You know, what what Spurrier do? You know, he just was like, well, shoot, I'm just going to – I'm going to do what I can with Blake Mitchell and, and this run game and, you know, dial them up, you know, what did, uh, you know, what, what do good play callers do? They don't try to, you know, they adapt to what they have. What's disappointing about it, Keith, is that Shane Beamer stated that when he was hired, when they asked him what he was going to do on offense, well, you need to be able to adjust to fit your players. You need something that you, if you, if you're good at running, you run the ball, but if you need to be good at passing the ball too, and he said that over and over again, and and th- this through 21 games, you just don't see it. South Carolina has a strategic disadvantage with the OC they have. And I think at this program, you know, because it's hard enough for the Blue Bloods when, when they have a situation like this, kind of like Georgia in 2019 with James Coley, um, they have a bad enough time, hard enough time. I mean, you want to know why Carolina got that game? Well, they're in Georgia's offensive play calling sucked, Okay. Um, their offensive ideas plan was not cohesive, right? Uh, you know, even schools like Georgia have problems when they have issues like this. You know, what makes you think you can do it at South Carolina? You have to, you know, you, preferably you have a guy calling plays that's going to give you an, a strategic advantage. Well, JC, my reaction 21 games into the Marcus Satterfield era is the same reaction. It was when I heard he was the guy getting the job. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And what has he ever done to warrant being a coordinator in the best conference in America? I mean, the only league that's tougher than the SEC is the NFL. Okay. And it was a huge gamble. And South Carolina, I said it last week, was on the precipice of a special kind of season if they could improve offensively, win these next two games, go to the swamp, seven and two. I mean, let's face it, Florida has their their share of warts too, right? I mean, AR-15 – he don't he don't have a scope on that thing, and uh, there ain't many bullets in, in that gun, and most of them misfire. But, I mean, they have issues. You know, Brenton Cox, big shock. He got kicked off at Georgia, now he got kicked off at Florida. I mean, South Carolina had opportunities for an excellent season, but you see a guy in Eli Drinkwitz, JC, you know I've been a big fan of his. With the motions, with the stuff that they do on offense, they would motion the guy across the formation, take that defender across, and then come right back where he was with a run play. And South Carolina's eye discipline was very bad the first half on defense. Brady Cook would keep. They have great play designs. They attack the weaknesses of your defense. They use motions. 
They just don't bunch everybody up in the box and say, we're going to run it up the damn middle. I mean, you got to defend good offenses in, in college. I think make you defend the entire field. Alabama does that too. Um, and that's Nick Saban, you know, doing that. Georgia has a lot of these same types of formations, Keith, that they make you defend the entire field. South Carolina does not does not do that. And, you know, you want to talk about Jaheim Bell and his usage. Look no further than Eli Drinkwitz at North Carolina State when they had Jalen Samuels. Same type of guy. You know, it's baffling to me. And, and you know, look, and I, I know the defense – little debate here about the defense in the in the chat box. I, I know they didn't play all that well, but man, you know what? They helped. They did their job enough in the second half to where at home you should be able to come back and get out of that hole. Um, they gave you a chance to win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They gave you a chance to come back and win. Yeah. And and there was no plan as to how to effectively effectively do that. I, I don't um you know I, I yeah I, I understand with coaches, you know Getting rid of somebody in the middle of the season sometimes can make things worse. So I don't, I don't, I'm not being critical of not making a change now, but I mean, I just, I, I don't know what they need to do. I don't know what kind of ideas they need to come up with. Um, but I think it's clear that Rattler's lost and confused half the time, you know, and, and when they don't have Lloyd going, they don't have an offense at all. Um, so what, what are the keys for the Vandy game, Keith? I, I, uh, I shudder to think what would happen if South Carolina goes up there and, and loses to the Commodores for the first time in a decade and a half. Look, you can't just say, well, I love Juju McDowell, so he's the back after Marshawn, and I'm just going to run him right up the middle. Mm-mm. I mean, that doesn't work. You have – look, if you don't want to – if you can't play Lloyd, put Jaheim Bell at running back. He's yeah. a big, physical, powerful dude. Put Rashad Amos in at running back. Why haven't you played him? I mean, Bill Smith, he's just not right. He's not 100%. I think he's going to be a guy that's just not going to be 100%, maybe until you get to a bowl game, because they're going to keep playing him. And when you got that kind of lower leg injury, it doesn't get better if you keep playing I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe Vanderbilt is so bad they'll be able to get a downfield passing game going. Maybe they'll be able to run the ball. I mean, we saw how bad Clark Lee was last year at the end of that game by going to three-man front and dropping eight and allowing a guy that couldn't outrun me right now bless his heart, Colonel Zebuliah, and you gave him all day to throw it, and he went right down the field on you. And so maybe they'll just say, well, we're not going to pressure South Carolina up the middle. We're going to let them run up the middle. We're not going to pressure Spencer Rattler up the middle. I I mean, look, it it is what it is, and – Outside of Marcus Siderfield's immediate family, I don't think that there'd be anybody upset if he was dismissed, quite frankly. I mean, I didn't see Marshawn Lloyd tweeting about Coach Sat after Saturday's game. And I can guarantee you Spencer Rattler probably wouldn't be upset about it. 
I mean, to me, here's the thing, JC. I said this on Twitter. I'm saying it again. You can't blame Justin Stapp for not being able to get Mazio Bennett, Antonio Williams, Dane Key. You can't blame him for not getting uh, the guys this year that picked Georgia and Miami and other top programs with this offense. No, nobody wants to play in that. Look, you can't say, well, he's my friend. His contract runs out. I'm just going to wait until after signing day. No, dude, you wait until after signing day. Guys are bugging out and you're not getting skilled players with other great options. You might get a guy you find under the radar, like this guy from Pennsylvania you know, C.J. Adams really didn't have a whole lot of big offers, even though I love him. You know, if Caden Lee can go anywhere other than Vanderbilt, you're not getting him on Marcus Satterfield. I mean, I guess you better be glad you got all them quarterbacks uh, last year. Because uh, you you go try – I mean, the next Spencer Rattler's not picking South Carolina in December with that guy around. His last day on the job, if you're not going to make a move now, better be the morning after the Clemson game. That sends a message to recruits. That sends a message to your current players that you are not maintaining the status quo. You're bringing somebody in. If you have to let Pete Limbo do it, or if you have to let Justin Stepp do it for the bowl game. Let him do it. That don't mean you have to promote him if he, like Will Muschamp did with Brian McClendon. That means you just go get a guy. Hell, I made a list yesterday of like 20 guys you could go get. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's true. All right. Brian Harson, by the way, more news, has been fired at Auburn. Shocking. So, wow. Never there's a shocker. Yeah, yeah. And, and I made the point, you know, Harson Harson kind of runs a style of offense too. I mean, I think we all see that uh, you know, Stoops made a mistake going NFL. Their their offense really stinks. I mean, you know, uh Harson at Auburn, Jimbo. I mean, this this style of offense just doesn't get it done. But um Keith, we really appreciate you joining us, man, and giving your take. Everybody always looks forward to it. I hope you have a happy and safe Halloween and uh we'll talk to you again soon, man. Yeah, JC, thanks. I wish it was more positive. Um, But it's clear at this point, there is no way out uh, with Marcus Siderfield. There's just none. So, go Cox. Hopefully you get win number six. I mean, maybe the offense will look like, you know, Andy Reid or Buffalo, you know. But all, all, all you have right now until women's basketball starts is hope. There's no proof or evidence of success with the SHAT system. That's right. All right, Keith, take yeah. care, man. Peace Thanks, out. Keith. I'm going to wrap things up uh, here on Inside the Gamecocks. The show <clears throat> on Monday. That was a tough one. That was a tough one, dude. I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoy talking football and getting through it with all of you. Oh, yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. That was kind of brutal. And, and Keith's got a lot of good points there, as normal. 
Uh, tomorrow, the Mental Edge with Sawyer Nix. Uh, it'll be uh, right here in a little bit. Uh, and by the way, too, yeah, as Rakeem points out here in the uh, Nanosports chat box, Auburn fired Brian Harson today. And so that's uh, – that like that – does that impact South Carolina? Auburn's not on the schedule for a while. But, look, I mean, they've been sort of dormant in recruiting and everything else because they're so turned off by Brian Harson, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, depending on who they get in there, you know, that that's significant because they're not going to sit there and run this type of offense and, and things like that. So, um, how plausible is Kiffin to Auburn? I think that's who they should hire. I do too. I think it'd be a, I mean, you want to compete? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, uh, daddy O says sat to Auburn. Well, Hey, if Matt rule ends up getting the coaching job there, why not? Why not? All right. For Phil Mullinax, J.C. Sherbert, thank you so much for joining us. We'll get to Vandy tomorrow-ish. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure there's a lot to talk about. Shane Beamer meets with the media tomorrow and all that good stuff, so we'll see what he has to say. But, uh, you know, with Auburn firing their head coach today because something's not working, uh, and then everybody's standing, staying, standing pat in Columbia. Well, there you go. Uh, like I said, it's not abnormal to stick with the guy, but the decisions you make, you know, sometimes, you know, that's that's what you're judged on as a head coach. Now, Shane Beamer's got a lot of time. He's not going to be the first coach that's come in here and and had you know bad coordinator hires or the first coach that's come anywhere uh, and done that. You know, but uh, that Harson situation should tell you just how competitive this league is and what the standard is. You know, is Auburn a little nuts for firing coaches over and over again? Yes, but so is Tennessee, and look at them now. Yeah, it's plug and play till you get it right, and that's offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach. Those very critical positions when it comes to college football. All right, Phil and I are out. Have a happy Halloween, everyone. Talk to you tomorrow.